Hi, I'm Paul Simpson from the Football Club. Welcome to the Brunton Bugle. Hello everyone, you're listening to the Brunton Bugle, the number one place to get your car fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. I'm Mike Booth. I'm Dan McLennan. Okay, sirrah, sirrah, it's finally here. United are off to Wembley in the League 2 playoff final. In this episode, we'll look back on how we got there, some past Wembley memories, how our opponent's stockpot are shaping up, and more thoughts on the big game. Oh, we're on our way to Wembley and our knees are getting all trembly, aren't they, guys? Oh, I think that's just our, our age, to be honest. Yes, now. it probably is, to be fair, yeah. isn't it? But only two days to go... It, it's exciting, isn't it? Really, you know. Yeah. How, how, you, how are you both feeling? Go on, Relatively Dan, you chilled first. out. Relatively chilled out because I've said all season we're going up. So, yeah. Yeah, you've been quite relaxed about, it, haven't you, Dan? I mean, to be fair, I dug out the um, the four four two season preview um, the other day. Uh, just have a look and see what they said about us. I think they predicted us to finish um, was it sixteen for something like that. Yeah. But then, when you look, but yeah, when you look up just above the end of your bit that you wrote for them, you said top seven. Why not dream, eh? Didn't you? There we go. Yeah, so we're looking ahead to the the big game this weekend, aren't we, guys? It's it's it mad, isn't it? You know, it's such a quick turnaround from that final last weekend or the final semi final, sorry, last weekend to the final. It's you don't have much time to think about it, do you? No, not at all. And as it stands, I believe both clubs are at their 15,000 mark for tickets, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which, given we're both Northern, we have an earlier kick-off because of the Premier League, you know, cost of living, transport issues. Bank holiday weekend. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic effort by both sets of fans. I really do. Mm, Definitely. It's really, really impressive. I, I agree with you there, you know, to get that many down and... You know, I know there's always talk of, oh, should you hold it in, you know, another stadium, you know, go to a Villa Park or an Old Trafford or something like that. But it's not quite the same, is it? It's not quite the draw of Wembley for me, personally. I, but, I think mm. ultimately as well, you don't want to take the chance to play at Wembley away from the players. No, no, that's that's the, the big draw. Because, I mean, we could get to any of those grounds in the FA Cup. The, the only chance we're really getting to Wembley is either this or... I, I don't even want to say the other word because I know you'll, you'll be very offended if we do even talk about it on this episode, Dan. So, um, mm. so yeah, we'll, we'll 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 move on to it from that. So, yeah, in this episode, uh, we're going to look out to the final, basically. Um, we've already sort of reviewed the Bradford game. We might touch on it slightly I, later. I, on, I, I think in future we should just call it Tafka Checker Trade. Yeah. The artist yeah. formerly known as. <laughs> or Tafka LDV or Tafka yeah, yeah Tafka O's that's what it should be <laughs> um, yes so we're going to look ahead to the uh, to the final um, it's going to be a little bit of a look back first on how we got there over the season just to talk about you know how far we've come and stuff like that and you know some of the key moments throughout the season um, we'll then uh, be talking a little bit about some of our Wembley memories um, from previous visits Talk a bit about some of the narratives around the game because there's a lot of narrative going on in this match, I think it's fair to say. Um, and then we'll talk about Stockport themselves and maybe a little bit about what we think the team might be and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, um, should we get straight into it, guys? Yeah. Let's let's take a look back then, how we got there. We're going to go sort of month by month. We're not going to go into full detail in each month, but talk about some of the key moments in each month. I mean, going back to last July, guys... Um, Obviously, we opened things up with a win over Crawley. It was a weird season because obviously the season started in July thanks to the World Cup, didn't it? Which is mm. strange considering we actually played throughout the World Cup anyway. So why we needed to start early, I don't know. <laughs> um, but the key moments obviously came over the summer in terms of summer recruits. Now, Greg Abbott being announced as the um, head of recruitment, I think was a, a big, big positive, wasn't it? As soon as the season ended last season. Summer mm. arrivals. When you look back at the ones who came in, I've got down the ones who came in the summer back. Finn Back, Thomas Hurley, Ben Barkley, Owen Moxon, Ryan Edmondson, Mick Kelly, Jack Stretton, um, Sonny Hilton, Jaden Harris, and Duncan Iden. Now, there's one missing there, but we're going to talk about him when we talk about August in a sec, because that's when he came. Um, when those were announced, who's, who's the ones that stood out to you, Mike, first? Who, who, who was the one you thought, wow, that, that, that really 
sort of raised your eyebrows. I thought, okay, maybe we're doing something here. Uh, well, I think Moxon was the first signing, wasn't he? And it, and it mm. was it. It wasn't really a case of like, oh, here's a player that's going to take us up to the next level. But I think people who were at some of them early friendlies against you know the local non-league teams, yeah. I think then we saw, oh, hang on, yeah, he looks like a bit of a player. Um, yeah. And to be honest, I, I mean, of all the players that we signed that you've mentioned then. I think the one that I maybe expected the most from was Sonny Hilton. Mm. And, you know, that didn't really happen. But, you know, <laughs> that's that's football sometimes. Yeah, it is. Dan, what about you? Well, when you look for those sounds, who's the one who stood out to you? Uh, there was obviously a little bit of whisper around Thomas Hawley. Uh, mm. Not too much was known about him, but I think the one for me was Ryan Edmondson. Mm. Because Edmondson had been long touted as... Uh, a good thing from Leeds. He'd been unlucky on a couple of loans. I know when he went Aberdeen, he got injured early, which really yeah. hit him. But he, um, he he got promoted with Port Vale last season. And I thought, you know, that's handy. That's handy. And I, I would probably say Edmondson. And then when Huntington was finally confirmed, and you you've been... There. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. But no, yeah. it was only 10th of no, August. Yeah. You know, yeah, you know. And and you're thinking, oh, that, now now that's a, that's a signing that people will notice because yes, he hadn't played much for Preston the last couple of years, but he's still got three hundred odd games in the Championship and ten year experience there, you know. So I, I, I think as well, we'd sit in the past. Yeah, well, with Huntington, we'd seen in the past Clint Hill when he came in. What, yeah. what, you know, how much an experienced centre half who's maybe lost his pace a little bit, but what they can still bring to the team. And, going, going back you know, to the it's 90s, been no surprise, really, the, the impact that he's had. 90s are like to Derek Mountfield and Gary Bennett, you know, very yeah. similar. Yeah, Sean Taylor even as well, you can add him in yeah, towards yeah. the end of the 90s as well. Yeah, for me, I, I think I'd probably tend to agree with you, Dan. I think Edmondson was the one who stood out to me, just because I'd, I'd seen him a couple of times when he was and things like that, and I thought... There's, there's, there's a good player there, isn't there? And Leeds clearly fought a lot of him to keep hold him as long as they did. Um, from obviously signing him as a 16-year-old, and because you know we've seen like they're happy to get rid of players if they don't think they're going to be make it, like Josh Galloway. You know they let him go quite quickly. So Edmondson's one of based as well on what I'd read on the Port Vale forums. They were all like, oh, "God, did we didn't get him actually?" And then when you hear the talk of the fact that he turned down League One clubs to come to us on a lower wage, showed the draw of Simo, didn't it? I guess as well. So that was. That was quite a positive. So that was July into August. Um, would it be fair to describe this month as steady progress, Dan, do you think? Um, obviously, we won won against Gillingham, which is our second win of the season, but then there was draws against Colchester and Swindon. And I think the, the defeat of Steamage maybe was a little bit of a... Reality check probably a bit harsh at that early season, but kind of like, okay, that's where we're at right now, sort of uh, marker, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, we, we started pretty solidly, you know, won a couple, a few draws... Stevenage was the first time we thought they look like a team who's going to be up there, and we 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 sort yeah. of alluded to that in our preview for the season, yeah. haven't we? Yeah, you know, I mean, you know what you're getting with Steve Evans, you know, dirty, organised, time wasting, but it works, you know, mm. shit houses basically, but it works. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's worth noting as well that some of them games in August would sign Paul Huntington, but he wasn't playing for us because he was yeah. nowhere near match fit, and I think we were all saying. At the time, before Huntington was even fit, can you imagine a, a centre-back pairing of Feeney, Huntington and Mellish? Can you imagine that? And then yeah. obviously we got that later on and that coincided with a bit of a turn in form. Yeah. So obviously, you mentioned their Huntington. He, as you mentioned, Danny signed on the 10th of August. They'd been whispers about it all summer, but they'd been dismissed by people who were insiders in, in New Huntington, allegedly. But it suddenly just, I want to say it came out of the blue, but it was a bit of a surprise, wasn't it, when it happened? It was like, oh, wow. We've actually got him, you know. Yeah. Um, what was your first thought when he signed? Because there was still a few people, wasn't there, who were he still held a bit of a grudge about what happened in the Leeds game, even though he'd apologised long, long before, you know, about what had happened. I, I mean, to be honest, my first thought was I didn't really care what had happened in that Leeds game. I thought we're getting a, a championship level defender. Yes, he hadn't played in twelve months, but there's you know reasons for that. But a player who clearly could not just play at this level, but probably play at the level above for for a few years more at least. Yeah, uh, I, I think if it had happened maybe four or five years ago, it maybe would have still rankled a little bit more. 
But I think I think the passage of time is, you know, it's you know, he has done interviews where he said he was a bit daft and naive and that. And eighteen, wasn't he? At, at, at the end of the day, he's he's a Carlisle lad. He's come to play for his hometown team, and he's got a level of experience far above most of our squads. So. When he signed, Mike, what, what what feeling did you have in terms of what that was going to do to the squad, and in terms of what it was going to do to where we could finish in the table over the season? Well, before him, we didn't really have much experience in the squad. Mm. Um, I think we had Devitt, who was over 30, uh, and obviously Dennis. But, uh, I think that's it. Well, Holy as well, I suppose. Um, but there's a lot of young players, and I just thought that an experienced head like him, um, especially, you know, because we'd seen Jack Ellis kind of play a couple of games yeah. towards the end of the season before. I just thought an experienced head like him to help guide some of the young ones along was exactly, it was the missing piece of the jigsaw, really. It's a fair point about uh, experience, isn't it? Because when you look at the defence, Dan, it isn't, it actually is quite young. I mean, you know, Finn back, obviously only 19 at wing back, as is um, uh, Jack Ellis, as you were saying there, uh, Mike. Um, even, even Joel Senior's only, what, 21, 22, isn't he, I think? And on the other side, you've got Jack Armour, who's only, what, just turned 22. Um, you've got in the middle, like, Mellish is, what, 24? He's like the elder states for almost, isn't he? Corey Whelan's only, what, 23, 24 as well? He's not actually that yeah, old. 25, I think. Yeah, so, you know, same with Morgan Video. They're not, they're not bags of experience there. So having someone like Huntington come in makes a big difference there, doesn't it, Dan? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, we, we, we did comment a few times about how relatively young the squad was. So, mm. you know, but both Huntington in August and jumping ahead a bit, Garner in January, you mm. know, proper experience, you know, through yeah. the through like at both ends of the pitch. And Tom, Thomas Hawley was probably one of our most experienced as well, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So like so we had a bit of a, a, a spine at times that that had the experience. Man you, we say they're all young. John Mellish is on about 130 odd games now, yeah. you know. Jack Palmer's over a <laughs> hundred, you know. Callum Guy will be at that mark, you know, so yeah. We've got youngish players, but they've got a hell of a lot of experience. Even even some of them who came in later, like McCallman, he'll be pushing up to a hundred games now in yeah. free loans. You know, it's yeah, definitely, it's all solid experience. Yeah, absolutely. So in September, um, more draws. <laughs> the free free draw against Rochelle—that was a crazy game, wasn't it? Really, because I mean, Rochelle yeah. looked like they were going to be teams struggling, and I was I was actually semi impressed with them that day Dan, because like genuinely I didn't I didn't feel like I thought oh, signing Quigley is going to probably help them drag themselves away from trouble a bit and obviously Bentley coming in as manager didn't quite work out for them sadly um, the nil-nil draw Manchester, which we should have probably won actually with the chances we had it's mad to think that, that that was this season that where Holy fixed the goal didn't he you kind of forget it was that long ago you forget it was it was, it was this season um, there was the win over Wimbledon there was a draw at Newport and then a win at Grimsby in the rearranged game Um I suppose the one sort of damper in this month, Dan, because he, he was just starting to find his feet, was the injury that Sonny Hilton picked up against uh, Newport, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, Hilton. I know. I know. Mike was saying uh, he was excited for his signing when when you read about him, and you know he was a lad who he'd been. Was it Norway? He'd went to on loan. Finland. Finland. Yeah. yeah. You know, and you're thinking any young player. He's got a bit about them yeah. to go and do that. You, you sort of respect because it's, it's a mm. big move, you know. Similar to Brandweight going out to PSV, I know it's yeah. a higher level, but and it just never happened for Sonny, did it? You know, his, yeah. his injuries and, you know, that Newport game, he looked, he looked really, really good and you thought, oh, we're turning a corner here. And then, you know. Yeah, sadly, it didn't work out for Sonny, but I think it's also an element of the fact that he just didn't fit into our system. And it was kind of, I think at the start of the season, we were still weren't 100% whether we were going to be carrying on just with this 3 5 2 throughout the whole campaign. Mm-hmm. As it is, it turned out it worked out a lot better than we hoped. But yeah, September, a good month, undefeated, you know, getting through till the end of it. And um, into October, it started with a ball draw against Crew. Ball draws were a bit of a problem throughout the season, weren't they, Mike? That's one yeah. one thing, you know, was it six or seven nil nils? And there's positives and negatives that one that it shows just how solid you are and not conceding as many goals in games, but also sometimes found it hard to break teams down, didn't we? Yeah, although you say board draws, I mean, obviously we had a lot of them, but we had a few 
thrilling draws as well. Yeah. You know, you mentioned you mentioned that three three against Rochdale. We had a three three against Harrogate. We had mm. the two two against Stockport much later in the season. Mm. I think just draws was the the main issue, and yeah. it's one of them. You just think if we'd have just turned two or three of them into wins, we would have probably gone up automatic. Yeah, that, that's it's, it's frustrating when you look back at it, really, isn't it? In that sense, but there you go. Um, yeah, so into October, we've got that draw against Crew to start, and then the impressive wins over Hartlepool and Doncaster, and that was when we were starting to get a feeling, okay, we're a pretty good side here, aren't we, really? I mean, especially the one over Doncaster. I mean, Doncaster were very disappointed over the season. Hartlepool well, bear, bear in mind as well, at this time, we had so many players out injured. And yeah, it's, it's a fair We were doing well, and we were all saying at the time, if this is how we're doing now, how are we going to do when we've got a fully fit squad? Yeah, I mean, you think back to it. We were naming Blado and Carr on the bench for these games. Mm. Yeah, both of them are gone now. <laughs> Which is crazy to think again, you know, you, you look back on it and, yeah, you've you got can, the... Uh, speaking of Bellardo, you can actually back him for first goal on Sunday. I saw that. Ridiculous, <laughs> isn't it? Incredible. Um, yeah, so those, I mean, Dan, that winner at Doncaster, that really stood out to me as like a, it wasn't quite, I, I think next month, that, well, there's a result in, in November that was really the sort of turning point of like, wow, we actually are a good side here. Um, but that, that win over um, Doncaster really felt like a little bit of a statement put down, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, Doncaster had come down and in the end they were ultimately disappointing, but everyone thought, you know, Hartlepool away, we put on a good performance, we got the win, hammered them, they looked poor, admittedly. But the the Doncaster game, you're like, wow, these were League One last season, we've rolled them. And it could have been five or six that day. Yeah, we we took our foot off the pedal, didn't we? Later on, we're just like, yeah, yeah we'll just we'll, we'll cruise for the rest of this. But I think as well, I remember that Doncaster game. I think we were pretty much level on points with them going into it. Yeah, we. Were and I remember that our fans were quite positive about where we were in the table, and their fans were absolutely devastated with where they were in the table. Yeah, and I think McSheffrey got sacked. He a did. Of yeah, days after, didn't a couple of days. Like, you're right. You're absolutely right there, Mike. Um, now that was followed up by the defeats against Orient and um, Stockport. The Orient one, I don't think any of us were particularly angry or frustrated in terms of the way we'd played after that, were we? Because we'd, we'd actually probably could have won that game without the refereeing decisions, which we won't go over again because, you know, they've been, that's been and done. I think it was the Stockport game that followed it up. It was a bit disappointing, wasn't it, Dan? But with that, I think there's an element of the fact that we were a bit drained from that Orient game and we, after there was two or three more plays, we actually missed out in that game, weren't they? I think Stretton had to come off the bench and I think we even had to start Toby in that when he clearly wasn't fit didn't we so I think it's one of those ones wasn't it really that game yeah um, Orient I, th- I think everyone everyone will be in agreement that we deserved at least a point that day yeah. uh, we got the two two apologies from the EFL in the aftermath unfortunately apologies don't equal points uh, but I, it was such a two and fro game it was it was very similar to the Stockport home game later in the season. You know, two mm. two good teams going at it. To the fact it actually hindered us in the Stockport away game, where we looked flat as though we just sort of, you know, relying on the same sort of eleven or twelve players, and we just ran out of of energy. You know that game, and yeah. you know Stock, Stockport looked a very very good team that night. Yeah, it's what, a surprise that they never actually went fully up. You know, yeah. Yeah, we did. they had just a couple of little stutters towards the end of the season, I think, didn't they, to cost them that uh, top three place in the end. Um, but I think as well, at this point, Stockport were about 17th on the table. They, they weren't we, that high, were they, no? But, but we, we we all knew at the time that that wasn't going to last very long. No, no, a very, very false position, wasn't it? Um, yes, we finished them up with a comfortable win at Tranmere. Um, into November, uh, beat Tramir again for the second time in seven days in the FA Cup, only to go out at the end of the month against Walsall, which was a bit disappointing. But in the grand scheme of things, it worked out quite well for us. You know, Walsall had their little run in the FA Cup, but they didn't do anything in the league, whereas we did. Um, then that was followed by the draws against Walsall and Harrogate. You might want to talk about the Harrogate draw, Mike, before I go on to talk about the Sulphur game, because that was a crazy game, wasn't it? We, we that, that was a real sort of an epitome of what we could do in the season, wasn't it? Because... When you think about it, um, we, we we didn't we didn't play very well, but we managed to grind out a result. You know, obviously with a last minute moxing goal, but that that was a real epitome of like the never die, say die attitude of the team, wasn't it? Yeah, although Simo was furious with the point. Oh yeah, um, and quite rightly so. But that game as well. Um, I mean, we were all saying it in the stand about ten minutes in, just how much we missed John Mellish that night. Yeah. And how pivotal he has been this season. 
um, and you know touched on later in the month to the uh, Salford game. He changed that game, and you know that that Harrogate game without him, we just didn't look the same team. It was a bit of an eye opener, wasn't it? To like, oh right, he actually is really important to this team now. Mm. He really does make a massive difference, and. Yeah, not having him on the left side of defence didn't work. We think we ended up switching to 4-3-3 eventually, didn't we, in that game? And then, you know, we, we, we huffed and puffed. So we didn't really play that well, but we just kept going and going. And obviously then when the moxing goes in, goes in, we go all crazy, don't we? Yeah. Brilliant moment of the season. Well, let's let's talk about it then. The, the, the result at the end of the month that you sort of jumped ahead to there. Uh, Salford won, Cali United 4. Damn, this, this was the statement, wasn't it, of how good a team we were. Because Salford are a decent team. You know, they managed to peg us back. We took an early lead and they pegged us back in this game. But the second half, when Simmer made that tactical switch and Mellish pushed into midfield, we just blew them away, didn't we? We absolutely annihilated them. Uh, we at Salford have always been a top eight-ish team this season, yeah. pretty much. Certainly top ten. And the second half, the ease with which we controlled the game, I mean, let's be honest, we could have got eight on this game if we if yeah. we. You know, their keeper played well. Yeah. And, you know, it's it was uh, it was statement, you know, and I think a few other teams will have went, wow, wow, you know, it's... It's, it's, that, the, energy, that, it's the energy we played with as well, isn't it? We were just yeah. constantly at them from pretty much the first minute, harassing them. And, they, they, you know, they, they didn't... They threatened us a couple of times the first half, but the second half they had the goal and that was about it, wasn't it? You could see by then they were desperate for it. If you're one of the other teams in and around the top sort of ten at that time, Mm. and you see us doing that to them in front of a massive travelling support, you know, and everyone a a team together, you you must be sat there thinking these are going to be tough. Yeah, absolutely. I remember as well. I mean, I've seen us battle loads of teams over the years in various games, but I'd never seen a team so clearly like psychologically scarred as Salford that night because. Uh, that day, rather, because, I mean, every time they tried to go forwards, we just hit them on the counter and would score or nearly score. And so it got to a point where they were terrified to even try and attack us because they knew that if they did, they'd just get hit back twice as hard. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, into December. Started with a draw against our bogey side, Sutton. That's a given, really, isn't it, these days? Um <laughs> The narrow defeat at Northampton didn't actually play that well that night, but again, we should have had the draw. Toby should have had his goal for the season, which is a real shame he hasn't got an, an, Another apology from the exactly. EFL again. Apologies. Exactly. That, that, that's Northampton, two less points, and us one yeah. more, you know. And and a big blow this game as well, losing Ryan Edmondson for, you know, the best part of what three months it was with the dislocated shoulder, because yeah. he was just starting to find his feet at this point, wasn't he, Dan? Yeah. Really, really frustrating. Yeah, uh, yeah and there wasn't really anything done when the challenge happened. You know, it was... Yeah. Bit annoying. Bit annoying, say least. Towards the end of the month, though, uh, over the Christmas games, um, two very good results. The 1-0 win over Bradford. I mean, 1-0 does not reflect what the scoreline should have been in that game, does it, Mike? We tore them apart for that game. And I know they had a few chances at the other end, but we, we should have had seven or eight in this game, you know, if it wasn't for the keeper. He was he had a, another brilliant game for them. And then the win at yeah. Crew as well, where we, again, down, we... You know, we Sorry, Mike, I think you wanted to, to, to cut in there, possibly. Well, I, I was just going to say, the crew won for me. I mean, the Salford won the month before was mm. the first game that made me think, can we do something this year? Yeah. But the crew won. Sometimes it's the games against the less fancied teams that we kind of ground it out, but we ground it out comfortably, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, and yeah, it, I, I think Lumsden said on the radio that like you remember... Like he remembers the big wins against lights of Northampton when he won the title with us, yeah. but there were some wins against lesser fancied teams that like, you get in the dressing room after, that, yeah. yeah, and you're thinking like we've earned that, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Dan on this game at Crew, that three 0 win, brilliant performance, pretty much dominated. They barely threatened our goal. It was a bit of a blow there, wasn't it, with the injuries that were picked up in this game, particularly Taylor Charles. He was he'd done brilliantly to get into the team and actually. Keep his place, and he, he looked like he was going to keep his place at the end of the season, didn't he? You know, him and Gibson were sort of fighting out for that attacking midfield place, and then to you know to do his hamstring in that game, and I think was it Finn back as well did the same, didn't he? It, 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 just, you just you, won, shame, you wonder if if Charters hadn't got injured, would Alfie McCalman have come in? Mm. I wonder if they still would have done because I think he would have wanted to strengthen and make us a little bit better. Maybe, maybe, but uh, I, I certainly don't think he would have played as many games. 
No, because it, so it was it was Finn back, wasn't it? That got injured this game, and Taylor Chatters. I, I feel like there was someone else who picked up an injury in this game. I can't even remember who it was, but um, Feeney maybe. Uh, I don't know. I'm just I'm just loading up the thing now just to check what the lineups were for this game, so I can double check who who came in and out. Um, yeah, so yeah, Jaden Harris played a wing back in his second half in that game. Um, it was Jack Ellis. Sorry, was the one who pulled in this game, uh, not Finn back. Finn back did his one against Salford, didn't he? Yeah, he did. You kind of forget that. It's just, oh, frustrating. It was obviously like I said, Taylor Charles was the one who came off in that game. Um, but yeah, absolutely dominating that in that game into the new year. Um, January started off not very well at Doncaster. You know, a bit of a baptism of fire for Joel Senior on his return, wasn't it? Um, I think I think just cutting in there, sorry. When, yeah. when you look back through the season, we do seem to just chuck the odd silly game in, don't we? You know, yeah. this, mm. you know that uh, the game at Stockport, the game at Doncaster, the Mansfield home game, just yeah, annoying performances. You know, yeah, but absolutely. Um, but yeah, so we didn't start that well at Doncaster. Um, Flood that up though with four straight wins, didn't we? Um, obviously there was the uh, the wins over Newport, Hartlepool, and Rochdale, but finishing off the month in style, wasn't it? I mean, this was a night to remember, wasn't it, Mike? We drove up to this one, didn't we? You yeah. had the day off, and a five-one win over Barrett Brunson Park in front of just shy of ten thousand fans. What a performance that was, especially second half. Yeah, that that was brilliant, and it, it seemed pretty much every time we went forward, we scored that night. Um, yeah, and and that was, uh, I mean, we had a relatively big crowd for Hartlepool the week earlier for a Tuesday night, but that was kind of the first big crowd of the season, really. Mm. Yeah, we'd have um, decent crowds, but not big ones like that. Yeah, and and that was sort of a sign of, oh well, you know, what can we do? You know, if we're if we're getting people behind us, getting towards the running, we, we can get people on board here. Proper special night, wasn't it, Dan? That was fantastic. No, the you know, Cum, Cum, Cumbrian hierarchy was confirmed. <laughs> exactly. You know, right. we we absolutely bashed them. Yeah, I, I could go. I, I could fill an episode with plaudits this game. But you could. You could. Time is of the essence. Track. Indeed, indeed, it is. Um, let's quickly talk about the January transfer business. Then, obviously. Uh, we lost uh, Idahan, Stretton, and Hilton. They all departed. Uh, Midway through their loan spells, um, income McAlbert, Robinson, and Gordon on loan, and of course the return of Joe Garner. What was your thoughts when this one came in? Dan? I, I, I think the reaction was still a little bit mixed. I think most fans are very positive, but there were still a few fans who had a bit of doubt, wasn't there, over Garner's return? I I genuinely don't see why some people had doubts because I know for a fact that Joe Garner had an offer to go and play in India. Yeah. In uh, their Indian league, very lucrative. And by all as well. accounts, the money offered very lucrative. He would probably have made as much in that one spell as he likely will in eighteen months. Here was the suggestion I was given, and it was only eight weeks but something like that. It was wasn't basically, it? yeah, I think it was four months max. You know, yeah. but it was, it was, he was told. He saw, you know, people close to him said, "Joe, you loved it, Carlisle. Go and be a hero. You know, get yeah. you can get a promotion here." Yeah. You know, you're not going to be away from your family. And I, I thought it was a brilliant signing because, yes, he's not going to start every game. And yes, he, Joe Garner's always been an annoying player. Yeah. He's one of those, you love him when he plays for you, you hate him when he plays against you. Yeah. But he knows what he knows what it's about. He's got the experience. Yeah. He's been at the big clubs. You know, he was at Rangers for the season. He was at Preston. He was at so-and-so, so-and-so. You know. Honest, yeah. he, he's, he's been around the block. He knows what he's doing. And you know, with without you know, it really. I, re, I think he really complimented our strike force. Yeah, yeah, and he's not going to score as many goals as you know he did back in the day. That's fine. He's not that kind of player anymore. But that's that's good. We've got a different kind of player in there. And for a short lad, Mike, he wins so much in the air, doesn't he? And we saw we saw his, the benefit of him in the, that second game against Bradford, especially, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, he brought something different to our strike force that we didn't really already have and all the reasons we touched on before that it was good to sign Huntington Garner ticks a lot of those boxes as well with his experience yeah, yeah. 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 into February uh, wobble time I think it's fair to say especially at the start of the month mm-hmm. um, started off with a, a ridiculous defeat against Harrogate to, to not to, to lose a game where the opposition didn't have a single shot on target it was just infuriating um, the 0-0 draw Wimbledon which was, yeah, wasn't too bad but 
I mean, the horror show against Mansfield, Dan, when you look back at it now, it's, it's like, it, it looks like such a, like, a total aberration, doesn't it, in terms of the rest of the season? Yeah, yeah. Uh, February, like you say, February, probably, it planted a little bit of a seed of doubt in some people, I think. Yeah. But, all teams have a slight wobble at some point. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know what it is about teams that come up and play in yellow, but Harrogate and Sutton just seem to have some sort of... Yeah, Mansfield. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, the Mansfield game was just ridiculous. You know, it was just one of those freak freak occurrences. But, you know, we came out of it and we actually responded very well because I think we went on a four-game four, four game winning run, didn't we? Well, six of our defeat in total because we had the yeah, two nil yeah. draws in the end of it. So, yeah, yeah. you're right. We, we bounced out of it and we got a win over Colchester and that win at Crawley, Mike, that was a that really was a statement one as well, saying, like, we are bouncing back in. Like, you know, it, it's easy to say, oh, Crawley down near the bottom, but they were having a slight resurgence, I think, seems to remember that point. And there was, there was some people who were saying, like, oh, it's a tough game for them or whatever. And, and to be honest, we blew them away in that first half, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, if we kept our foot on the gas, we could have probably won seven nil. You know, it just we kind of let our foot off the gas a little bit. But yeah, that was kind of what we needed to, you know, get our heads up again. And then into March, obviously, we continue this winning run with a win over Grimsby, and then the win over Swindon, Mike. I mean, that's got to go down as one of our best moments of the season, isn't it? When that goal went in from Ryan Edmondson, we were going nuts in that stand, weren't we? Yeah, but so many late goals this season. You know, yeah. I mean, that's probably the most uh, iconic late goal of the season. but And obviously Jack Armour's goal earlier in the game, what a yeah. goal that was. Um, but yeah, that was fantastic, fantastic sort of three points that had everyone buzzing and really thinking, yeah, we can really do something this season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, after that, Dan, we followed up the win over Swindon with... Two nil nil draws in a row against Steam and Bradford. And at that point it wasn't there wasn't too much worry, was it? Because we could have nicked that game at Bradford at the end with the with the Gibson strike there at the post. Stevenage came to do a job and fair play to them, they absolutely did that job on us, you know. The ball being in play for forty one minutes of that game tells you everything you need to know about what happened in that match. Um But it's the defeat against Gillingham at the end of the month that really sort of put a sort of a okay, maybe a top three place is gonna be a bit of a challenge for us moment into your head, wasn't it? Yeah, um, you know, the two draws weren't bad results overall, but the uh, the Gillingham the ones was annoying, especially conceded so late. And mm. the Orient one, they only won because it took a twice-deflected shot. Yeah. You know, we you know we lost Finn back... Sorry, Ben Barkley early. I think it was Finn back with Ben Barkley in this game. Oh, was, and then, Finn, Finn back we lost, wasn't it, against... Uh, no, Orient? sorry, yes, it was... It was Finn, Barkley back. came on for Feeney and back, yeah. back got injured. Yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm mixing them up there. Yeah, you know, we lost the two defenders in the first half. Yeah. And we only got beat 1-0 due to an unlucky own goal. And they actually went to 10 men. And again, you know, it shows the fine margins. You know, what yeah. would have been a good point on the road ended up being a second defeat in a row. And I, I think... The week after, we had Tranmere at home, didn't we? Yeah. Which was the... Was that the big crowd game? Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. With, that, with that Orient one as well, like, Menish is so close to getting equalised. I know people say he missed an open goal, but it's a brilliant save by their keeper to push mm. it onto his legs to make it difficult for him to get the shot away as well. So it goes to show. But yeah, into that weekend, the following weekend, Mike, massive crowd on Good Friday against Tranmere. Huge game. Yes, Tramir struggling, but there was that pressure on knowing that it was going to be, what, a 13k crowd. And they turned up for it, didn't they? And we looked comfortable in that game. Yeah, I, I think, you know, a couple of eyebrows were raised early that that was the game that we did the, the offer for the Tramir game. But I think it worked out pretty well, really, because quite a lot of them fans have stuck with us until, until the end of the season. Um, and yeah, it was, a, it was a really good sort of big crowd good solid result to really put to bed the myth over the years that we don't perform in front of big crowds well, um, results this season against big crowds so, you know exactly exactly so yeah uh the Warsaw was disappointing obviously yeah. they had 10 yeah, men um you know the, the game against Stockport I, I wouldn't call that disappointing I think it was just a thrilling game of football with two good teams and mm. couldn't one up the other one um Obviously, the win at Barrow, I mean, 
know, need enjoyable. I say more? Enjoyable. Yeah. Natural, natural order continuing. Yeah. Uh, and and the home loss against Salford, it was much like that late in Orient game that we talked about earlier. It was just if it wasn't for certain refereeing decisions, it maybe could have gone the other way. Yeah. So, like, obviously, you wrapped the month up quite well there, Mike. I think it's mm. fair to say, yeah. So, the Sulphur game to end it was a bit frustrating because we could have gone into that final game at Sutton, couldn't we, Dan, with that chance to go for a top three place. But, I mean, the way it went anyway, Tranmere were pretty comfortable against... Yeah, yeah. Uh, not were comfortable against Tranmere. So, we got the result against Sutton. And then the drama at uh, Bradford, and that pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? That's the season wrapped mm. up, really. So, we, that's got us to this point. So, yes, let's talk a little bit about Wembley memories now then, Dan. And first up, I want you to tell us... What can you remember about going back in like 95 and 97? Because obviously you, Mike's a bit too young to have been to those games. I went to 97, but I didn't go to 95. What what was that feeling like? Obviously, it's a different stadium now in that sense. But what was it like seeing the Blues there back in 95? 95 was just the icing on the cake to a league winning season. And the fact it was our very first time, you know, grown men were crying. It was like, Carlisle at Wembley, what's this about? You know, this has never happened. It's never going to happen. It'll never happen again. <laughs> and I think because it was, we were top of League Two, Birmingham were top of League One, both, you know, we bought, we sold 26, they sold 50. It was full, the occasion. I thought people genuinely weren't bothered about the results in the end. Mm. It was just, wow, we've seen Carlisle at Wembley. That's amazing. I, mean, and, I, I, I remember watching it on Border TV. Because it was live on yeah. the TV, it was, and it was just what an amazing feeling it was just to see. Yeah, it was, oh, it was. You know, I, I, I did uh, me and a me and a mate did three nights in London for it. You know, I was seven, seven nearly seventeen year old, just turned three of mm. us. You were just uh, we went we went to Charlton Luton on the Saturday just to do a <laughs> random game. You know, take a ground up, and you know, it was just walking around in our Carlisle tops and folk like, oh, Carlisle, you know, Wembley first time. We're like, yeah, we are. You know. And, it, it was just a genuine buzz. It was just, it was just amazing. It really was. Ninety-seven. Uh, we actually took a few more this time. You did, yeah. People forget that. Yeah, I think we took about a thousand more. Bizarre. Yeah. And Colchester only took about eleven thousand. Yeah, wasn't a massive following which, from them. Yeah, which you can get from Colchester to London in an hour, roughly. Hmm. You know. I think they've and, uh, been a couple of times in the playoffs before that, though. That's yeah, why I've yeah. taken a bit off it. But uh, no, the Colchester game, it was more, well, we're, we're back. Yeah, let's win it. <laughs> let's win. And it, the game itself was atrocious. It really was. It was oh, yeah. It wasn't the best. It probably quite helped because we, we'd had a heavy Saturday night drinking. <laughs> uh, I mean, that, being, that... Uh, being old enough then, 19 by then. Oh, because you definitely you definitely didn't drink when the, in '95 when you went to that one, did you? Not not much, not much. <laughs> no, no, okay. no. Just, oh, one or two, one or one two. Or two. Okay. I was yeah. only a, a youthful. And I've always looked youthful. I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but but no, '97 was more. Yeah. I mean, I've regularly said I rate the '97 team more than the '95 team. Yeah. You know, and I think it was important. We won them. We were three one down in those penalties, mm. so to win it four three was just absolutely fantastic, you know. And it was it really was good. I mean, we we went uh, by minibus that time, stopped the Saturday yeah. nights, and we were going back up uh, the M one etc. after the game in the minibus, and it was just a it was just a procession. Yeah, because obviously Colchester fans weren't going our way. Every service station was like an absolute party zone. You, you felt yeah. sorry for the people working at them, you know, thousand <laughs> Carlisle fans. It, basically, it was you know just joyous chaos. And no, there were there were two great times, and probably two of the highlights of the uh, the night and rain. Indeed, the ninety-seven one was probably the last, the last, yeah. the last real highlight because. From ninety seven, ninety eight, that's when things took the the turn for the worse. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think a lot a lot of young fans might not realise of well, the old Wembley had a special feeling about it, oh, just yeah, of the yeah, history yeah. and everything about it. it was that, great. that first that first time walking up the old Wembley mm. way because it it it's it, it's built for it now, whereas yeah, it, wasn't. it wasn't as much <laughs> last time previously. And you, you get off at Wembley Park and you see the twin towers, and you were just mm. like. Me, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I'm going to let you away with that F this time because it's, it's yeah, worth saying. Yeah. Um, well, no, no, that's why I said it. It was just, it was, <laughs> it was one, one of one of the, you know, the very few moments where you literally didn't have anything to say because you were just like, yeah, 
yeah. it's great. I, I remember going, I, I would have been 12 back then. Yeah, 12 back then. And um, we went down on the bus, from what I remember. I remember going to Wembley and seeing all like, the stalls, selling the flags and the scarves. Yeah, and it, yeah, yeah. It was just, it was that. I mean, I can't imagine what, you, you know, the kids, like young Craig, who does a reuse for us, what it's going to be like for him going out to the oh, game. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's going to be yeah, amazing, yeah. is it? And the one thing I'd say is we romanticise it very much. And yes, there is the romance of the old Wembley. It was a dump, though. <laughs> like by by the time oh, yeah, we yeah, got there, yeah. like the toilets were awful. It, it was yeah. not a great place to watch football, but it was a great place to watch football in the same sense because of the history behind it and and what it meant. You know, and I've still got the old, you know, camp photos fo- fo- taken out and printed out. I had to take to the to the Photoshop yeah. to, from the final from that time. It's it's just it's amazing to think about it. Um, well, let's jump forward. Um, what, 10, 15 years, whatever it is, Mike. Um. And let, let's look at uh, 2010 and 2011, uh, some of your memories from then. Yeah, well, obviously 2010, we beat Leeds to get there, yeah. and, you know, and that was thrilling, penalty shootout in front of the Warwick Road end. That was get the highlight, there. wasn't it? Because the final was Yeah, because the final was awful. Uh, but like what Dan said before, you know, with 95, you think we've got to, it's not every year you go to Wembley, we're going to go yeah. and then you're actually there the next year anyway, but um but that Southampton team in the final in 2010, That's how outrageous. they were playing in League One was insane. Like Adam Lalana, Mikhail Antonio, Morgan want, Schneiderlin. Do you want me to read out the team for you? I'm going to read out yeah, the team quickly. So in goal, you had Kelvin Davis. Mm. You had uh, Ben Marshall's favourite player, Dan Harding, playing at right mm. back. Uh, Radhi Jaidi at centre back. Jose Font, who won Euro 2016, literally mm-hmm. about six years later. Uh, Joseph Mills at left back. He's probably the one that you, no one really recognised. Uh, Mikel Antonio playing on the right wing. Uh, centre midfield was Paul Watton and uh, Dean Hammond. Uh, left wing was Adam Lallana, as you say there. Um, Ricky Lambert up front and Papa Waigo was the other striker. And then and I'm looking at the bench, not really that well known. David Col- Colony came off the bench as well. And Alan Pardew was manager of Southampton that day. Yeah. It's remarkable, isn't it? Badness. And and we had Mark Bridge Wilkinson on the right wing when he just <laughs> wasn't the right wing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God, that, that, that shows you, doesn't it? Really? Yeah. I but, I mean, f- for me, though, I mean, that was my first ever trip to <laughs> Wembley. I'd had, I could have gone to watch England if I'd wanted to uh, at any point, really. But I always wanted my first trip to Wembley to be Carlisle. Um, mm. And, you know... You don't think that it's every year that you get to go to Wembley and you've really got to grab the opportunity with both hands. Obviously, it was very disappointing, the result, but as a day out, it was uh, it was all right. I had a few drinks after and can't remember much of the weekend. But, but then a yeah. year later, that that was all about... Get, you know, the first time was like, yeah, we've done it. We've, we've been to the new Wembley the first time. A year later, that was all about the result, wasn't it? And getting, I, was, I was working for the club at the time. I'll, I'll mm. talk a bit now and I'll let you speak after, but... It was like the first time I went down, it all felt very hectic. I wasn't actually working full-time. I was just volunteering at the club at that point. I'd started full-time the following, that summer of 2010, so 2011. And I just remember how how exciting it was to be behind the scenes at Wembley and see the dressing rooms and the press box. I had my breakfast with uh, Leroy Senior and Steve Claridge, sat in the little uh, press area. Steve Claridge can, can't have smash a breakfast, I'll tell you that much. Um and, and and yeah, like I think Dean Walling was sat next to me for one of those fans. I can't remember which one it was, but he was doing the Radio Cumbria stuff. I'll, I'll do something, I think, with John Coleman, actually, with, with uh, the News and the Star. And it was, I'm like, I'm sitting next to one of my heroes there watching Cal United at Wembley in the press box. It doesn't get much better. And then, obviously, that special moment, Mike Murph scoring that goal. That that was like, because that, that's, you know, that's something that goes down in Wembley folklore, isn't it? The day after his, his kid's born and he, he's scoring at Wembley. Yeah, especially given what happened the year before with him handballing yeah. it and giving Southampton a penalty, which yeah. started our annihilation. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's what football's all about, isn't it? And um, ultimately, the game doesn't really mean a lot, you know. Unlike you know this Sunday, um, but winning a trophy at Wembley, it's great. You know, there's there's nothing better. It's and we've said all along we put up with a lot of crap watching Carlisle over the years, but. This is why you do it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Right, uh, we're going to take a short break now and then we'll be back to sort of look ahead, talk about a bit about the uh, Stockport team. And we've discussed them recently, but we'll go a little bit into it. Talk about what we think Carlisle would do. And I've got a little quiz question for you both. So uh, we'll be back in just a sec. This is John Mellish. You listen to the Brunton Bugle. Hi, it's Morgan Feeney and you listen to the Brunton Bugle. Hi, 
I'm Thomas Holy, and you are listening to Brunton Bugle. Hi, I'm Owen Moxon, and you're listening to the Brunton Bugle. I thought we might as well have the full set, because we're yeah. going with Wembley, you know, let, let them all have a little go, you know, they're hopefully all going to be involved in the big game, so, uh, so there you go, right into the second half of the show. And let's start with that quiz question. While it's fresh in your minds, there's a question for what each of you here, right? So, Dan, you're going to go first. I think you can probably maybe guess what I'm going to ask you here. Can you name the starting 11 and the subs from that final in 1995, the first time we got to Wembley? 1995. Yes. Ah. Uh... 95 I'm just I'm just visualising in my head uh, Tony Keg in goal yeah. Darren Edmondson uh, right back yeah uh, it's the four four two basically essentially yeah I'm, I'm just, I've, I've, my head's gone blank on uh, left back Gallimore yeah Gallimore uh, Dino. Yeah. Mountfield. Yeah. Uh, Reeves was up front. Yeah. Thomas. Yeah. Uh, Curry. Yeah. So you've got three midfielders left to give me. You give me Rod Thomas. He's one of them. Uh, Conway start or come off yep, the bench? Yeah, Conway start. Yeah. It's Haywood side by then. Steve Haywood is one of them. Yeah, people forget yeah. that side that he played. Yeah, Warren Davey, Davey, was it Davy went in the January? Yes, yes. So Davy yeah. went and and Warren Aspel couldn't play because he'd play for Bournemouth earlier in the competition. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, yeah. how many have I got there? Uh, you've got ten, so you've got one left to get. He was pretty much an ever-present that season. He's someone who, I think there was big expectations of him, but he never really kicked on beyond us, really. So uh, He was subbed off as well just at the start of uh, extra time. Oh, give me one second. Oh, I'm trying to think who else was in the squad then. Do you want to try and name your subs first then while you're thinking? Uh, Rob I mean, Peters? No, Rob Peters wasn't on the bench. Was he not on the bench? No. no. There's only three uh, subs. Jamie Robinson. Jamie Robinson came on for Manfield on 100 minutes. Yeah. Uh... On 100 minutes, and Tate scored on 103 minutes, the golden goal. Yeah. Uh... I'm going to have to rush here because you haven't got wait, to wait, wait. that time. Richard Procas. Richard Procas indeed he was played, in one. didn't he? Yeah, and then one more sub you're missing, basically. But uh, missing. Tony Elliott will have been keeper. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to take a gamble here, and I think yeah. it's someone you know well, Jeff Forbes. Indeed it is, Jeff Forbes. That's, oh, that's your full 14. You just about get got there, man. Just about got there. Right, Mike, oh. can you guess what your question's going to be? Is it the 2010 final? No, not 10, 2011. I want you to name okay. the start 11 and subs for the 2011 final. Quick as you uh, can, if possible. Adam Collin in net. He was in net, indeed. So who's your back uh, for? Frank Simek, right back. Yeah. Did we have, uh, we had Murph, obviously, at centre-back. Yeah. Was it Lubo Mikulik as well? Yep, Lubo Mikulik was in there. Um, left back, would that have been Matty Robson? It was Matty Robson. You did well, yeah. Uh, that's five already. So ben Marshall started, uh, yeah. but got injured. Yeah. Um, did Adam Clayton play for us? No, the season before. Season no, that was that season before. Um, did we have... Uh, I'm trying to think up front now. Joanne Yinzer? No, you 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 you're thinking of the year before? You are really yeah, well, because it, it's it's the same kit, so <laughs> yeah. I'm like struggling. I, know, I, I can remember exactly who started up front in this game for us. Go on, you're gonna have to help me out. Uh, Zorko. Yeah. Ah, yes, of course. And Craig Curran definitely yeah. started. Absolutely yeah. right, those two. Craig Curran played the full ninety. Zorko came off after sixty-seven. So that's you've got three midfielders left to get. James Barrett. Yeah, of course, James Barrett played pretty much every game. Um, Paul Thurwell. Yeah. Um, Liam Noble. No, Liam Noble was on the bench. He came, came on as a sub oh, okay. for yeah. Marshall. Um, um, similar size to Noble in terms of height. I know it. I'll let Mike have a go. 
No, I haven't got a clue. Who do you, who is it, Dan? Tom Tayo. It is indeed Tom Tayo. I said Tom yeah. Tayo. Did you? Yeah. Did I miss it? All well, apologies. Yeah, you did you say that. Have... I have to listen back to that, make sure. That, yeah. Just to double check. Uh, yeah, so that's your 11. Um, do you want to do you want me just name the subs? Because I think we're running out of a bit of time. Yeah, right? go on. So your subs were Tony Cake, obviously he's the backup keeper for that game. Mm. Uh, and then you had uh, Danny Lifty, who didn't come on. Uh, Liam Noble did come on. Then Rory Lloyd and, of course, Paddy Madden. Yeah. Now, Paddy Madden brings us on nicely there, doesn't it, guys? Because we're going to start... Hey, hey, 16 years after playing in the 95 final. That's crazy, isn't it, really? Yeah. You think about it. Um, so, yeah, and obviously coming on now, um, what, 12 years since we played that final, Paddy Madden will be lining up against us at Wembley because um, we are, obviously, of course, facing Stockport in the final. Um, so, oh, I've just knocked off my running order there. That's not much help, is it? Um yeah, so the, the game obviously takes place on Sunday to have half one kickoff, which is much annoyance to all of us. Um, referee for the game, Tom Neald from West Yorkshire. It's his sixth season as an EFL referee, and he's taken charge of 34 games so far this season, handing out 97 yellow cards and three red cards. Last season, he handed out 112 yellow cards and three red cards in 28 games. So he doesn't hand out many reds, does he? He's quite um, lax with that, but... Uh, uh, the last United game he took charge of was the um, 1-0 defeat to Exeter City in April 2022. It is worth noting though, guys, isn't it, that this is going to be the first ever Kai United game that's going to have VAR involved, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Also interesting, he took charge of Salford 1 Stockport 0 the other week. And obviously the, the, the fourth official is Simon Mather, who took charge of our game against Bradford the other day. Yeah, and, mm. and to, to be fair, Mather wasn't bad, I thought. I, I thought he handled it really well, to be fair. And like I said, I think he blew the whistle for full time. I think he just left too long of a blow between his first one and his second one. Yeah. yeah. And then he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> They're all on now. I might as well blow it quickly. Yeah. One things I've messed up. Which um, is a shame for the Bradford fan on their forum who wanted to complain to the elf. Yes. Clown. <laughs> Absolute clown. But there you go. Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how that's handled, isn't it? The VAR thing, Dan, because... We've we've seen a lot this season, like Paul Huntington get pulled all over the place in corners. Whether we'll actually benefit anything from this, because for what Simo said, they're going to try and keep it as similar to a League Two game as possible. So it might just be very like really clear cut, obvious mistakes, won't it? I think. Yeah, VAR, uh, like say something we've not really come across as a League Two club. It's clearly in place over the weekend for the Championship final. Yeah, and they've obviously thought we may as well use it for all. You know, they are. You know, there's a lot of rides on these matches. You're getting promoted yeah. if you win it. Uh, you would like to think they will let the referee run it as uh, smoothly as possible, uh, only, only jumping in if they really, really have yeah. to. Like you say, corners will be interesting. There's always a lot of tussling in League Two. You know, could we end yeah. up with about six penalties a <laughs> side? Yeah. You know, but uh, no, let, let, let's just hope that they let the referee and his team run the game and only resort to it if they're really, really, you know, but it's a contentious sort of decision. Absolutely. It's, it's worth noting. Do, do, it's not, do, so do we know on. if goal line technology is happening as I'm well? pretty sure it will be, but it will not be the first time that's been used at a car game because it was used when we played against Barnsley in the League Cup the other season. Yes, yeah. For that yeah. game. So it didn't have to be used that night. Um, but yeah, so uh, so there you go. Um, head to head, uh United, it's eight. Well, I, was, I, was, I was just going to say actually about VAR. Simo got a Premier League refing, didn't mm. he? Uh, yeah. To kind of talk to the players about kind of what they look for in the VAR room and and yeah. stuff like that, which I think is is really good. Yeah, that's really really helpful, isn't it? Ahead of this game, um, right? So this is going to be the 85th meeting of the two sides. United have won 33, 17 have been a draw, and the Hatters have won 34. So it's very very tight on head to heads. Um, yeah, so looking looking at Stockport then Dan I mean it's remarkable the rise they've had isn't it in, in recent years to come from where they've dropped to because anyone who's listened to the Behind Enemy Lines which which we did separately this week we had as a separate episode to give you something a little bit extra to listen to um, Russ from the Scarf Bagara War podcast was telling us wasn't he that six seasons they spent in National League North I mean, we, we all look back and think god I, our season in in the national in the what was the conference then for one season was bad enough but Six seasons at the level below that for a club that big. That must have been horrible for them for those years. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's Stockport of what I deem a proper club. Yeah. Mm. You know, I mean, if, if you know, that if they don't go up, meaning we've won, I would like to see them go up next season because yeah. 
they are a proper club. They're very similar to ourselves. Similar sort of size, I would say. Yeah. Um, you know, we've both sold similar amounts. And they com- compare and contrast to the Bradford fan base. Yeah. You know, it's like day and night. Yeah, the Bradford... I'm, I don't want to say they're arrogant, because it's probably a little bit harsh, but... Well, it, it's annoying, because I think it's one of those where the bigger voices show them up. Yeah. Because, like, I, I, I referenced a couple of times my couple of Bradford mates, and they were completely gracious. All, you know, yeah. my mate Dave, in the first met, like, first game, messaged me on the hour mark, bloody hell, this ref's a homer, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and, and immediately within, like, 20 minutes of the game finishing last week, both of them... Never mind. Best of luck to you. I, I hope he's go up. You know. And yeah. I think I think the uh, the online sort of percentage of them is overshadowed and made it. You know, it's it's almost created a rivalry between the two teams. You yeah, know? which is a bit weird, isn't it? Really. I mean, which, is, which is the reason why I want to go up, so we don't have to play the weirdos again. <laughs> exactly. Whereas the Stockport fans, there seems to be almost like not quite a friendship, but we all they seem no, to get no, on quite well, don't they? There's, there's a, respect. There's a mutual respect, isn't Absolutely. there? You know? Absolutely. I mean, some of the teams they played at that level, Dan: Foxhall Motors, Gainsborough Trinity, Corby Town, Lowestoft Town, you know, Alfreton Town, FC United. I mean, it's like. <sighs> That, it was a proper, proper wake-up call for them, wasn't it? Really, when that happened, I, I would have said. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, when you get when you get when you're in those low leagues, you know, the National League North, and that's where you really notice. You know, the likes of likes of Scunthorpe are really going to notice it this season. Yeah. There are there are one or two smaller teams in the National League, but at least two thirds are decent yeah. standard. National yeah. League North, you know, that they're going to be they're going to be playing South Shields. Yeah, you know that that's a wake up call. Yeah, that's a big wake up. Which is no disrespect to South Shields because they're they're on an upward tangent themselves yeah. at the moment. You know, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's you know, it's it, 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 Warrington Town. Fans. Warrington Town, yeah, yeah, playing, aren't they? yeah. yeah that's the kind of eye opener, isn't it? Yeah. That they get so. So there yeah. you go. Um, let's talk about some of the key men in their squad quickly, Mike. Um, I've picked out one from each position. Obviously, in terms of keeper, Ben Hinch Hinchliff. Hinchcliffe, I should say, as I was corrected on the um, the behind enemy lines by Russ. Um, his story is incredible. You know, from a lorry driver a few years ago to I think you know, record number of clean sheets for Stockport and a, a proper club legend, probably one of their greatest ever players. Their fans are saying. Um, you've got you know, obviously Horsefall at centre back and Collar in midfield, and then the one that's worrying us all, isn't it? Paddy Madden in attack. Mm. I mean, you say Paddy Madden, but all of their options in attack, uh, yeah, they're very good. Um, I mean, like Miles Hippolyte, you know, obviously he was at Scunthorpe last season, yeah. but he's looked a very good player for Stockport this season. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and I think any other team, because Wotton's injured, isn't he? He is, yeah. He's a Wotton. Yeah, yeah. I, I, was, I was just going to ask, what's the situation with their injuries at the moment? Because I've not had a chance to listen to the... Uh, to the preview with their lad yet. Well, Wotton is the, I think, the only one really who's out injured. So Collar's back, right. he was back for anything. Madam came back for the, the yeah. semi final. Yeah. So pretty much got a full, clean bill of health for this game, which is right, right. frustrating. But then Wotton is such a big player for them. He made, he's made such a big impact in his first season mm. in the league with them. So yeah. not having him available actually is, is quite a bonus for us in that sense, I suppose. But it? I remember earlier in the season, Paddy Madden was kind of on the bench and a lot of their fans were kind of a bit gutted for him because... Yeah. Wotton was banging in the goals, but they were kind of a bit, well, Madden should be playing still. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, Wotton been injured is is what's given Madden his game time. But yeah, yeah they've got so many options in, in attack. And yeah, they, they were the team, you know, when the league season ended, they were the team that I feared most in the playoffs. But yeah. we're all where we are on merit and yeah. it's one game of football. Anything I, can happen. I think I've said a couple of times the four playoff teams are very much of a muchness. Yeah, and it, it two turns up on the day literally, and you know, mm. it, it, we said at the start of them it's cup football now. Yeah, and it's basically mm. who turns up on the day. Exactly, exactly that. And obviously, as we mentioned before, there's uh, quite a few links in the squad. Obviously, Madden and um, Jack Stretton in terms of players in there. Clint Hill is on the coaching staff. He's on the bench. Uh, you've got, and then obviously. Simo's son Jake is the head of performance, isn't he, for uh, Stockport? So that's a nice little. Uh, yeah, Radio Cumbria have run a couple of good little pieces on the uh, Simpson yeah. family rivalry this week. Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting one to see that, isn't it? Well, let's talk about United then. Let's uh, get this all wrapped up. Um, injuries wise, obviously, we know that 
neither Finn Buck and Jack Ellis, sadly, are going to be fit enough for this one. And Jamie Devitt, again, sadly not involved, but I'm sure he's going to be down there. It was wonderful seeing seeing him in the dressing room waving his crutches about, wasn't it, in the game. And actually, we were saying, Mike, at the end of that game against Bradford, he was the one pretty much helping Simo do the team talk, wasn't he? And g yeah. the players up and yeah, shows yeah. what a big character he is in the squad, really. Um, so Barb, Buck, Ellis and Devitt, a full squad to choose from, except for Barkley, which you know, we've discussed already how sad it is he's not involved in. But he's, from the reports I've heard, he's been very much involved in training and been, you know, when they've been playing the, the starting level up against the um, the other lot, he's been part of the other lot team. And, and I've heard that the other lot team are doing very well in those games. So, you know, that it sounds like the players who are waiting to come in, potentially, mm-hmm. you know, could be, could be you know, raring to go. Um, so obviously goalkeeper, we know Tony's going to start. That's a given. Defence, Barkley's unavailable. Dan, Big John well, straight in, isn't it? Big John straight in because he fits the left-hand side yeah. like a glove and yeah. he's key to how we can switch. Yeah, That leaves the question, does Whelan move to the right or do you take a gamble on Feeney starting? My opinion, uh, Mike might have a different opinion to me, I would, I would stick with Whelan. Just because he's fresh and he's been playing the games and he's got the the consistency of form of being in there, I think you could trust to drop Feeney, and I don't have any doubts about that. But for me, Whelan's got us there. He's in a good run of form. Don't change any more than you have to in the defence, in my opinion. Mike, it's really, opinion? really toss of the coin for me. Yeah. It really is. Um, it, it would be incredibly harsh on Whelan. Yeah, but at the same time, Feeney's a better player for me. Mm. It's, it really is toss of the coin. Um, as we say every week, who'd be a manager? Yeah. Yeah. Mike, what would you go That's for? That's the greatest get-out clause we have. Well, I would agree with every, everything you said about Whelan, but I would base my 11 based purely on players who have the potential to score and have the commentator say, you couldn't write scenes like this. So for me, Feeney, been the captain, been hmm. out injured his first game back, he would fit that bill for me. He'd also fit the bill of him pulling up after 10 minutes or something. Just be sods law for <laughs> on, on, the flip, on, on the flip side, if Feeney does start and something happens, Whelan, Whelan's sub. ready-made, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. you've lost the sub very early on. You do lose the sub, but... Yeah. I mean, the question then would be whether Jack Robinson has to drop off the bench, which would be harsh, because he's done a good job, you know, when he's come in and stuff. But, you know, it, it, it looks like he might miss out on the bench, possibly Jack Robinson, as a result of this. Um... I think you stick with senior right wing back as well. He's done really good in the last two games. No need, no need to change that. Would you agree? Well, we're, we're big square pegs and square holes people, aren't yeah. we? And yeah, the lad's done all right, huh? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Midfield. If, 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 we, if, if we need to chase the game, there's maybe a substitution to be made where he maybe Possibly. gets sacrificed. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, midfield, no change, surely. There, stick with the three. Yeah, sure. Surely not. Well, I mean, for for my criteria that I mentioned earlier, I'd maybe start charters, local lad, <laughs> that angle. Um, We're not basing it on what the commentators say, Mike. We're picking a team to win. That's all it is. Um, so, yeah, midfield, we agree, and it stays the same. Attack, pretty much the same as well, I think I'd agree. I'd, I'd stick with Garden and Garner. They, it's, it's like Gordon and Garner, they, you know, it looked like a good partnership. Again, Garner fits my criteria. Former player, come back this season. Yeah. You know, you couldn't write scenes like this. Yeah. Um, yeah, you agree, Dad? I think I think Gordon deserves a start. Yeah, but you could make an argument for any of Garner, Edmondson, and Dennis. Yeah, I think I stick really with Patrick could. as a sub. I definitely would because I think he could really affect the game later on on a big pitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think for me, the Bradford game, the way that we did it was testament of everything Simo said about starters and finishes. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so pretty I, much. So pretty much, I think we're, we're more or less all in agreement. Mellish for Barkley, and that's all you do for now. Really, you're fifty-fifty really on, on the on the mm. feeling wheeling one, but we're generally yeah. agreement on that way. So there you go. Yeah. Subs is going to be interesting because obviously there's a few players back and stuff, and how he switches things around there will be interesting. I'd, I'd imagine poor Jack Robinson's probably going to be the one to miss out, and there, yeah, which is a shame for him. But you know, I mean, look. He's done really well to help us get there, and I'm sure he'll get his chance next season with us as well. Um, be interesting to see if he celebrates at full time if we uh, if we Ben Barkley, yeah, that'd be mm. very interesting. He's going to be on our bench. Well, on, on 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 his socials, all he's talked about is we, and he's yeah. not been in Stockport. No, mm. absolutely, absolutely. Right, predictions time then. Um, so we haven't gained. I don't think any of us gained anything last week, did? Because 
the rules were that it was based on the 90 minutes mm. for that one. I'm changing it for this one. We're going to base it on the overall result and everything. So you, if you want to go extra time, you want to go penalties, you can. So, Dan, you're up first. What are you going for? 2-1 to the Blues. 90 minutes. Goal scorers? I'll, I'll allow you the 2-1 to go into extra time as well if it, if it comes to it with this, basically. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, Ghana? Yeah. And Big Fucking John. Yes. That's <laughs> what we want to has to be. Yeah, that's a narrative. There's your storyline, Mike. There's your yeah, commentator storyline. Exactly. Thank you very much. You couldn't write since like this. Yes. Right, go on, Mike. What are you going with? Uh, I'll go for 2-2 at 90, 3-3 after extra time, <laughs> and then us to win on pens. And I'll go for goals from uh, Garner and Gordon in 90 and Mellish to score an extra time. Right, okay. Um, you really know me now. I'm going to go for a 3-2 win, probably after extra time. Um, goals from Gordon, Moxon, and Big John. That's what I'm going for. I've changed my mind because when I did it with the lower league look, um, I predicted a 2-2 draw and a win on penalties. So I've got the extra goal in there. I just feel like there's a moment coming from Big John. I can just see it. I can just see it. it Whatever it, happens, it, it's it, going to be a good game. It's, it's going to be written in the stars for Big yeah, John, absolutely. hasn't it? Right, Dan, we're going to wrap this up uh, very quickly. X-Files. There's one I haven't put in there, but we discussed it yeah, last time. Yeah, I've, I've, so. I've already made a mental note of that. Yeah. Uh, there was a red card in the Scottish Premier League for yeah. Jamal Gordon. <laughs> Incredible. He just George, basically... sorry, Jamal George. Why am I calling him Gordon? Jamal Sh- George. I mean, like, he basically does his best Harold Schumacher impression, doesn't he? Yeah, There's a reference yeah. for the teenagers there. Um, yeah. Google yeah. it. Google it. It's, like, it's yeah. the most ridiculous thing, but it's not quite as bad as that, but, you know, it could have been if he'd have been so careful. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, England under 21 call ups for Jared Branthwaite and James Crawford. Yeah. That's and it. Is, isn't that's it? it, I think. Isn't yeah, it? that's just, it for now. Cause we're going to do release lists uh, next week at some point, aren't we? Basically, yeah, we're going, yeah, we'll, we'll, we we're going to make a note of all the the uh, the release lists yeah. for when our own comes out yeah. as like the second part of it. Yeah, defo, brilliant. Right, well, that's it then, Dan uh, and Mike. Thank you very much for joining me. We're nearly there. It's exciting. I'm genuinely excited now. It's what. Bear in mind, what we're 48 hours out from kickoff, just under 48 hours now. It's. It's going to be a good weekend, isn't it? Whatever happens, we look back and say it's been a brilliant season and we yeah. you know, we, we go again next season, whether it's in League 1 or League 2. Definitely. That's the key thing, isn't it? Um, in terms of what we've got coming up, um, we're going to do Twitter space tomorrow afternoon and evening to talk with any Blues who are on the way down and stuff like that, get their feelings in terms of what's happening. So go to our Twitter feed, at Brunton Bugle, and we'll, we'll post up sometime tomorrow afternoon what time it's going to be so you know to, to join in with it. If you're down in London, get yourself on it and tell us tell us what it's like down there if you're fellow fellow Blues. That's what we want to hear about. Um, and then on the day, we're going to be putting stuff out on our Instagram and Twitter feeds, aren't we, guys? I think of our journey yeah, down because we're meeting each we're, other. We're at actually ending up on the same train, aren't we? Because yeah. uh, I'm getting on the train at Crew. There's yeah. two trains eight minutes apart. One comes from Manchester that stops at Stockport, yeah. so that's not really the. Uh, and the one eight minutes later is you guys from Liverpool. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. really looking forward to this one. Um, train cams at dawn. Indeed. Looking forward to that nice early start, isn't it? Uh, thank you everyone for listening to this. Really appreciate it. And genuinely hope you all have a brilliant weekend in London or on your trip down, whatever you do. And uh, most importantly of all, guys, up the blues. Up the blues. Up the blues. Wembley, eh? Yeah? Right, Wembley, yeah. We're all going to Wembley. Okay, Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be. That's enough of my singing, right? Bye. <laughs>